Fanboy dreams come true when legendary genre actor Tony Todd, Candyman, does a special guest appearance on Adam and Joe's cable access show, The Movie Crypt, and then takes the boys out for a wild night on the town. Their dream comes true becomes a living nightmare when the eccentric and larger-than-life actor moves in on their couch and turns their lives upside down, while Corey breaks up with Kevin. This is Season 1, Episode 4 of Holliston, Candyman, and you are channel surfing with the bargain bin. Description from IMDb, we will not be holding back on spoilers. I am Sandro, and I am joined, as always, by my podcast partner in crime, Ben, and our neighbor downstairs, Mark. So, what did we think? The return of Kevin is my least favorite part. Sandro, <laughs> you are not a fan of Candyman. Correct. <laughs> We're not getting into this. From what I heard, that's an understatement. I really want to, but anybody who listens to the bargain bin knows why. Um, are you a fan of Tony Todd? Yes. Okay, good. But with an asterisk, because he's Candyman. That's fine. <laughs> was that your first experience with uh, with Todd? Like the like when I saw Candyman as a kid. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's like that guy is so imposing and so intimidating. He's six five. He's got that deep voice. Then Candyman is just scary and the bees and just <laughs> you love him, but he's Candyman. He has the most amazing voice ever. Mm, come on, man. Come on. Uh, next to you. I'm sorry. Uh, I, I was thinking like Keith David, but sure, me. <laughs> Mark, what is your first memory of Tony Todd? Candyman. Really? I still have not watched the entire movie. I, I cannot watch it. Get on that shit, man. It is great. And to Sandra's point, Keith David is exactly the actor that I go to when I hear that voice, when I compare the two. I think Keith David's a better version of, of that as well. Just to... That's... That's a but tough Tony one. Todd's phenomenal. I mean, but Tony Todd isn't like Keith David's like four foot eight. And I, I don't Todd's think that's like, true. No, I don't think he's that short. Uh, for me, Tony Todd will be the best representation of Ben from Night of the Living Dead, the 1990 Tom Savini remake. One nice. of my favorite zombie films of all time. And he killed it. He was absolutely amazing in that. Well, they were already dead. It was a zombie movie. Easy. Plus, that also has Bill Mosley who is Crazy Max. Oh, nice. Yeah. What I remember from Tony Todd is his voice. I think he did narration on a video game I played called Juiced, which is like a racing game. I don't know that. Like a software racing game. Yeah, they did like multiple variations, like a two and a three or whatever. But he was the, I think he was like one of the head, like race street, street racer racing for pinks guys. So he's got the voice. He's, it's beautiful. He has all of the talent. And I, I think... That might be a bit of um, a detriment to this episode. This is the first really big horror cameo character for the I mean, series. Can you even call it a cameo? Like, he's in the entire episode. Exactly. Like, guest starring. Guest star. Yeah, we'll go with that yeah. because they do it with, uh, with uh, um, Kane Hodder and, and others down the road. But this is the first one we really get. And I feel like they were so happy to have Tony Todd on this episode that they gave him too much screen time. I thank you for saying that because I 100% agree. And I didn't know why I felt 
a little off until the way you just explained it. Well, we're watching Holliston for Adam, Joe, Laura, and Corey. Right. And yes, while all four are present, it seems like Tony had more of the focus on him. Absolutely. I agree to your point. It took, it did, yeah. I kind of detracted from the, the crew, right? From the group. Yeah. And I think that was them just kind of getting their, their footing of having like a, a horror icon on a show about horror made by horror fans. Yeah. I could tell you that I would have done the same thing, mm -hmm. even though it may have been a quote unquote mistake or maybe not the best decision. I probably still would have done the same thing. Yeah. You, you can't blame them for it. <laughs> right. Exactly. I actually don't think it's that detrimental to the episode. Uh, and why is that? Because of the function that he serves. It's not like he gets all of this camera time and focus because they want to build a narrative around him as, say, the central character. He's clearly built up as the like catalyst, the, the obstacle of this episode. It's like how, you know, whenever you see one of these zombie movies and the zombies end up being just an obstacle and the conflict usually ends up being between the humans. Like, he is here to drive further these relationships with the four characters. And I don't mind him having the screen time because it's, it's a physical manifestation of something like, say, the skunk smell from the last episode. That's fine. I get that. But with a, a, he's a plot point here, like you said with the skunk smell. With that, you're dealing with an event that has happened, not something that is ongoing. In episode two with the camera, the problem wasn't the camera itself, is that the camera was gone, and then you see how people have to react about that. Uh, here, it seemed like a lot of the episode was Candyman irritating Adam and Joe over and over again, and they're like, we have to kick him out, and then he'll do something else, and they won't. And they're like, we have to kick him out, and he'll do something else, and they won't. It just felt repetitive. Yeah, and, but it's also trying to drive home the point so that when at the end of the episode, Adam finally does it because everything else, which has been beaten into us, he will not stand up to him. He will not stand up to him. It seems repetitious. It seems maybe overdone. But what's the actual trigger for him to stand up for him? Like it's it's meant to be just a very massive swerve right at the end to juxtapose the entirety of its presence beforehand. And I will agree with you on that. But it seems like they also didn't spend enough time on Tony and Corey to get that reaction. Now, that's just my perspective. The fact that it worked for you means I'm probably missing something. And you know what? That's fucking fine. Uh, we're all experiencing the show differently. So I'm glad it really worked for you. From my perspective, it felt a little muddled. But let's actually get into the episode because, yes, while Tony Todd has a lot of screen time here, everybody else. They truly do shine, as always. So, yeah. We start could, I, could I say something about that too, real quick, Ben? About about the uh, Tony Todd piece. Of course, I agree, Sandro. I think you're right. You make an excellent point about that. I think what where I agree with about Ben and the influence that Tony Todd has on this is I kind of want it to be sloppy. The four of them being goofy and like really sloppy and having to deal with an issue, but the character being such a such a strong role could detract from that gangy feeling that I was getting earlier. Yeah, but it's meant to be like an emotional like tearing, like their, their tug of warning between their desires and their reality. What, what do you want them to do? Spend the entire episode coming up with plans to try and get rid of them? Like, just short of having an Acme crate delivered, they didn't want to do like an unrealistic, 
like representation of this scenario that they're stuck in. Honestly, I kind of want that though. But the these guys are the ones. It, it would work in this. That's show, what basically. I'm saying. I'm I want a bucket tied to a string that he opens a door and it pours on him or something. I don't know why. I think we all have to agree that certain things about this episode worked for us and certain things didn't. But in the end, Adam and Joe put out the show they wanted to make. And this is like, aren't we picking hairs a little bit? Aren't we still all enjoying the show at the end of it? Exactly. So. But I love that we can have this uh, this discourse about yeah. what we really enjoyed, what we didn't, what we thought was heavy handed, what wasn't, what could have been better, what could have been worse. In the end, none of us are filmmakers and we just have to accept what these two geniuses are doing and what they're giving us because thank them both for the show's existence. It is nice to see us all having the same reaction of enjoying the episode, but then seeing us kind of all getting to that destination through a different path, right? Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Mine the right one, you guys the wrong one, but still it is refreshing <laughs> to see this different perspective. Right. Well, let, let, let's get into the actual story. So we open up on Adam and Joe playing Battleship, and the first thing I noticed was, this seems very early in the morning. And I didn't remember them calling it out, but Laura coming out of Joe's room, which always has weird sound effects and lights coming out of it, which we'll see more and more in the series, calls them out on it. And I love that. Is this the same game of Battleship you were playing since last night? And that's impossible. It's and, absolutely and impossible. Not just that it's impossible, but every time the camera directs itself onto their game, there's not one red piece on either of their boards. No, there's no hit <laughs> whatsoever. And the whole board's white, I think, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Like, literally the entire thing is white. And no, there are, there are some gaps, but it's oh, still... There are, like, yeah, a couple of gaps, but it's like a bunch of white bags, man, everywhere. You, you would think if you were playing from the night before, you literally just would have run out of squares to call because it's been <laughs> that long. Yeah, it has. I love the callbacks to previous jokes, like the most basic thing, inflection. When Adam says something along the lines of H2, it's like, miss. He's like, no, no. He's like, no, you said two. It's like, no, it's it, two, 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 two. Also, things like that. That's Market Basket. He actually said Market Basket in this one. Exactly. They call back to it. it, it but there's he weird. just said it. He, uh, I'm just going to Market Basket. Yeah. Didn't linger on it at all. <laughs> yeah, just went breeze right through it. <laughs> it was like one of those nostalgia hits from another show, but it's like it was the last episode. <laughs> yeah, and this entire opening scene, I'm thinking this is absolutely awesome. And I followed it up with Laura's amazing. Ortiz steals this entire show, in my opinion, just from like little background um, bits of dialogue or poses or expressions. The background of this episode, more than any other is absolutely hilarious. And Sandra, you pointed out something too that uh, I've missed every time I've seen this, where they actually break the fourth wall, cut to the actual crew filming the episode, and we see Adam and Joe behind the camera. Absolutely amazing. Yeah, I missed it the first couple times I watched this episode, and I just briefly spotted it, and I had to go back and like pause it because <laughs> I was like, did I actually see that? <laughs> so we move over to the, the movie crypt TV show they do with their special guest, Tony Todd. Pretty fun back and forth, even with Todd saying things like, you're welcome to have me here, which I heard Sandro chuckle about, and it's good. I absolutely love this first appearance of Tony Todd, because you just get this like 
I think he's sleeping when he first started. Mm -hmm. Um, This very reserved, uninterested, disconnected, not wanting to be their version of Tony Todd. And then that's not what you get for the rest of the episode. (laughs) (laughs) One thing I really love here is that they don't go into how they got him on the show because that would take too much time. Tony says he lost a bet. Exactly. And that's it. They don't go into it because that would take way too much time for a story that doesn't need to be told. They're actually respecting us with this, this type of storytelling. And I love that. Is that a story to be told or is that a play on like, that's just a classic joke. Like, you know, nice haircut. Did you lose a bet? No, I, I disagree. Just because every time they have another horror icon on the show, there's an explanation as to why he's there, like, or why she's there. It's, it's actually thought out and planned out. And they're like, we just want Tony Todd. <laughs> Let's get him on the show. Why? He, he's just there. It's Tony Todd, everybody. Very good. No, I think you're nitpicking based on the relation to the other episodes and not just taking this one in a vacuum. Maybe. But, I mean, you relate one with everything else alike. But um, time to party with Candyman. Um, the stories I've heard is that Tony Todd is very much a party animal and will drink everyone under the table. So I feel like this is actually a nod to how Tony is in real life. He's 6'5". How does he fit under a table? <laughs> no, he drinks them under the table. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, That's where all the alcohol goes, and that 6'5 frame is. The fact that he would just wake up in the living room of people he was drinking with the night before does not surprise me. And I thought that was really fun, because I find that incredibly believable. No, it's probably pretty responsible. I mean, they were blackout drunk. Maybe he was going to drive, and they were like, no, 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 come stay on our couch. You know, they're just being... They're being good hosts. <laughs> he's like the most generous squatter I've ever met. Is he? Well, I mean, he bought a TV. He's going to take it with him, but he bought it, didn't he? He offered to. Did he actually or buy offered. it? I missed that. Oh, I, yeah, I don't know that. I just don't I think would, that the plot ever went to that point. Yeah. Yeah, I, I would just assume it all went through it or whatever. They did say that he picked up the tab from drinking the night before, and they all got, like, blackout drunk. So yeah, that's must have been a good. decent amount. That's right. He did pick up the tab. What did you two think about Laura's freakout when she uh, showed up and Tony Todd's there? Well, isn't this when we got the cut to the yeah. Mike man? Because she says he's going to kill us. And they're like, but he's just an actor who plays Candyman. And she's like, who's Candyman? And it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She is uh, adorable. Do you two just want me to rename the show I Love Laura? We all should just, yeah, we should just call it Laura. Yeah, I mean, we all love Laura Ortiz, right? Hal Lauriston? Oh, God. Okay, man, I tried. So we'll jump to the return of Kevin. <laughs> I actually like Kevin now. I don't, I don't like this. I don't. Um, <laughs> th- this really? guy was okay in the first episode, but in this episode, it was like, you know how you were acting in the first one? Do it worse. Like, make it look like you do not know how to act your way out of a wet paper bag. Yeah, but I love that man. Like we, I think we all knew when we saw him again that, that this is the end of Kevin. I don't oh, think cool. we see him again. I'm not sure, but you could tell. It's like let's take that annoying character and make him even more annoying. What was with the pancake? It was the content. What he said. It wasn't how horribly he said it. It was just amazing. Pancake. But yeah, this inevitably read or led to uh, Corey breaking up with him. And then we cut back to the apartment with uh, the knowledge hold on, of... Hold on, hold on. 
you two Laura fiends couldn't even mention that when she came into the cafe, she did the standing pose with arms on her side, like like he introduced himself in the first episode, but she greeted him that way. No, it sounds like you're the the Laura fan here. Oh, I, I'm not saying I'm not a Laura fan. I'm just not gonna uh-huh. drool over her like you guys. But I'm definitely going to bring up much? things that. <laughs> All right, fine. We'll just ignore that joke then. <laughs> no, we'll call it Laura. I it didn't. Was... I didn't catch it. I'm not going to lie. I just didn't catch it. I apologize. I did. It. It was quite good. Um, but yeah, Candyman's strawberry allergy. Uh, an odd setup for a weird payoff. Thoughts? Why did he offer that and then it not be a thing? Yeah, I guess. But I guess we should get to that towards the end when we figure well, out. What this version of Tony Todd is absolutely insane. So for him to say it's he true. has a, a strawberry allergy and then just later be like, oh, nope, I guess not. Actually worked <laughs> quite well for the plot. You're just true. like, yeah, OK, that's that's on brand for this. This version of Tony Todd. You're right. He is insane and he's a complete dick throughout the entire thing. He basically moves in watching the, the football game demanding beer, uh, inviting his friends over. Tony Todd in this episode is an asshole, yes? Yes. But I just want to get past that because this carries through the entire episode. And a couple thoughts on the scene of Corey and Laura in the car. Do either of you have any thoughts on this? Because it seems like the message they were trying to send was overshadowed by the psych gags that happened throughout. Oh, dude, being on your cell phone and driving is dangerous. And you want to talk about callbacks? What did they hit? Horace Pinker, the hamster. I I didn't even notice it. You had to call it out. I know you guys well, caught some the- great stuff. You're the the ball goes flying by. You're like Horace Pinker. <laughs> well, she hit a dude first. Yeah, I know. You just a, a stroller. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. I'm wondering what was the what was the death count on that drive? <laughs> but like complete with shattered windshield neither of them react it was beautiful the first one i have to give credit did anyone look at the back like you know how you're you you know you see you're driving and they have the the road going in the background yeah did you see it out of the lane and then go back into the lane i didn't no okay i totally watched that because i'm like i have to look just to see and they actually had it like off the lane and then almost straightening out again after (laughs) it hit them it was pretty funny it was well thought out they do a great job paying attention to the little details that really do entice you to do multiple viewings because you're going to miss these little things. And their sight gags, their callbacks that other shows might just not bother with. But in this, they're just, they show a level of care to attention. And it, it does make you be like, I, I want to rewatch this. You know, I hear you guys say things that I missed and I'm like, oh, I got to go back and watch that again. Yeah. Yep. Same thing around going around the corner too, when they hit the stroller. That mm-hmm. turn, the whole like back, it, it, it was attention to detail. It totally had my attention in that way. Attention to detail is one thing in this show, which they do very well. Some of the comedic lines are so fucking funny to me that I have to mute myself. Well, that, that's why they're comedic lines, Ben. No, but they're so good. So good. And with comedy, it's not just the writing, it's the performance that has to make there it There is hit. a delivery aspect to it. Yeah. These aren't actors. They're writers. They're directors. Yeah, four episodes in. I think they're actors. Mm, technically, yes. They're thespians. They're gay? <laughs> they're thespians. They're gay? 
<laughs> They're actors. Oh. But no, like when when Adam is feeling like he has a, a contact high from all of Tony's friends smoking in their uh, in their living room. And he says, it feels like a beautiful woman's rubbing my temples with two Muppets. I don't know why that set me off. Like, that was like, I was laughing so hard I was choking scenario. I wasn't sure what to make with the Muppet part. Make with it what you will, man. <laughs> it just hit me yeah. in the right way. They have a Bert and Ernie reference last episode. They got a Muppet reference this one. What are we going to do? And I still think Ernie is the better one. Yeah. I'm not going to get back into that. <laughs> Tony eventually kicks everyone out, but still won't leave because it's time for a nap. He's showing Joe and Adam what they should be doing because he has yeah. no problem to do it. Get out. Yeah. <laughs> Why can't we do that? <laughs> and uh, the, the girls come home and Adam's overjoyed uh, with Corey breaking up with Kevin, of course. But at this point, Tony is in the shower rapping. Laura busting the moves, which I thought was hilarious. But Finding out that Tony Todd is on Corey's list of celebrities she wants to sleep with really messes Adam up. Any thoughts on that reaction? Because Tony is 100% down. I don't know how to react. Like In this show, Adam is going to be set off by anything that Corey does that is even remotely uh, showing interest in another partner. Yeah, I'm glad you said that too, because I find that this is the only cheap get that we have, because we know exactly what's going to happen. From this point on, it seems like a cheap, I don't even know how to say it, a cheap plot element, because as soon as anybody else shows interest in Corey, you know, Adam's going to have a problem with it. Oh, it, it's a cheap plot element because they're poor. I get it. I, I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's exactly <laughs> what I'm saying. Thank you for that. I think we can all agree one of our favorite parts of this episode is Joe trying to take the initiative to kick Tony out <laughs> and just eat the hard smack in the mouth. <laughs> would you call it initiative or would you just call it a walk up to a slap like I have no idea what's happening he didn't even get the words out he just walked up and said look and just got smacked in the face I saw it and my brain still couldn't compute it I'm like it, did that really just happen like two minutes later I asked you guys did he just get slapped it's like yeah he didn't even say anything <laughs> and like you said, it just reset the scene. I, I swear I thought the video skipped and I'm like, I'm just going to let it go. I thought it skipped because he slaps him and then all of a sudden he just turns around and he's talking to Laura. I'm like, what the? That was amazing. Yeah, it definitely reset things. Well, this, this leads to uh, Tony and Adam talking in Adam's bedroom uh, because basically Tony wants to borrow Adam's bed to fuck Corey. Because he does it hard. And lines like, thanks, man. You owe me. Which Sandro <gasps> brought up when we were watching it. Like, what a complete asshole. Mm -hmm. He really leans into that, doesn't he? Yeah. Um, but this does bring us to finally an appearance of Odorous. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it right now because you ask me every time. Yes, this is Odorous's best appearance so far. Thank you. I was going to ask you that. You ask me every episode, and I'm finally ready to tell you that not for the whole episode, but just for his appearances, this is the top one we've seen thus far. And it's because of the sage advice. I mean, at one point, Adam <laughs> is kind of telling him my situation or his situation, and Odorus is just like, that sucks to be you. 
<laughs> I like his gossamer exit. <laughs> no, I just I love things like <laughs> you should be lucky. He is a celebrity. You are nobody. <laughs> you should let him sleep with your girlfriend. <laughs> And what's up with the Pilates and all the stretching that he did? Is it because he's stuck in the it. closet all the time? I don't know. But just like the sounds he was making, he was stretching his legs like. Hey, <laughs> <It's> great. <laughs> hey. Dave Brocky was amazing. His idea of how to get rid of somebody who won't leave is to frame him with child pornography. <laughs> which is a very odorous thing to say. But the actual advice when he finds out that Adam's talking about Candyman is get the fuck out of the house and then just <laughs> runs through the wall <laughs> and leaves the whole body print. Uh, he actually gives the advice after he runs through the wall. He runs through the wall oh. and then leans in the door when there's a hole right next to it and says, oh, get out and then shuts the door. <laughs> he was so good in this. This is a good performance. Uh, we get a really brief return of Crazy Max, the always amazing Bill Mosley. Followed up with um, Lance Rocket. You guys copulate? <laughs> <laughs> and then what were all the C words? Constitute? No. No. Oh. Capiche? Yeah. <laughs> and, and Lance calls out Adam. He's like, you look like someone drove over your pet hamster. <laughs> Which is a callback to earlier in the episode. Exactly. Beautiful. These are smart writers. They really know how to do, how to work that, the, like, uh, structure of a script. Well, it's, it's so tongue-in-cheek, too, which I love about every episode of this show. Like, Adam trying to take a stand to the Candyman situation, and it's him and Joe and Lance standing there, and he's like, we're not gonna take it, and looks at Lance anymore, which we all know is a line from a Twisted Sister song, and Lance... <laughs> looks off to the side like this is uh, awkward for me in numerous ways I loved it I absolutely it loved it because <laughs> the Lance Rocket that we've been shown up until now is completely fine with like poking fun at himself being the butt of the joke just diving into this and having fun and <laughs> giving us this swerve where he's just completely like straight faced just like this is awkward for me in many different ways was just a beautiful twist. Yeah, agree. It's perfect because he's generally shameless and he exposed a little bit of that humility or like fear of shame. I will always love D. Snyder. I'm so happy he's in this show. I listen to this song all the time now. <laughs> he's great seasoning. Uh, well, guys, it's uh, time to poison Candyman with strawberries from Market Basket, which is, yeah, the throwback to it, but they don't do the um, pronunciation. Market basket. Mar market basket. <laughs> uh, the ice cream. I found a hilarious method to poison someone. <laughs> Buying strawberry ice cream to poison somebody who is allergic to strawberries is not exactly discreet. <laughs> Maybe if Lance didn't so subtly creep his way out of the room when they were concocting the plan, <laughs> he could have given him the advice of, yeah, he's not going to take strawberry disguised in strawberry stupid <laughs> <laughs> well what what else would you do you buy chocolate ice cream and mix strawberries into it yeah uh that didn't really work either if you saw them trying to mix it in there come on people no it was half 
diced strawberries. <laughs> you know, it's like it was like this red syrup just oozing out of it with these chunks of strawberry. Yeah, you'd think he'd juice them or something, but like if I was handed that bowl of ice cream, I'd be like, there are very clearly large chunks of strawberry in this. <laughs> right. I'd be like, I smell strawberries. Does anyone else smell strawberries in here? Oh God. Uh well it turns out that he's not allergic to strawberries after all. Although <laughs> Laura tried to warn them and got thrown to the ground <laughs> and smoked <laughs> off the table. Oh, she ate shit so hard. <laughs> and there's a weird like five or ten second break until she says ow. <laughs> Which just punctuated that joke perfectly. But we also get that dream sequence where Adam just straight up shoots Tony and we cut back to the uh, the uh, the film crew and the guy holding the boom mic just drops it and runs. <laughs> I'm not touching any of those jokes. The funniest part of this is Laura taking charge. Like she knows how to get rid of a body. Give me three garbage bags, one bottle of bleach, and you grab his legs. Yeah. This, <laughs> again, Colombian cartel heritage. But um, yeah, it turns out that uh, Tony's pretty annoyed because Corey turned him down. Which seems like an odd decision if he was on her list. Yeah, it does. I, I agree with you there. Two things. The, both that, that she didn't go through with it and that he seemed really rude about her. Like, even more than just being an asshole self, he kind of was a little derogatory and like extra step. He did. He really leaned into it. Yeah, he was a super asshole talking shit. Yeah, about I her. mean, I, I give him credit for that. Unless unless that's like a perception, he really just was plamming it up or something. But wow. well, I mean, he is out four dollars for that ice cream. Well, yeah, it was four. <laughs> and apparently she wasn't worth it. And as soon as he said that, I was like, oh, man, Adam's going to lose his shit. And he does and, and kicks him out immediately. I love the um, kind of almost like uh, self-acceptance when he is doing that. He's like, you can push us around. You can insult us, right? Like, he realizes he's not standing up for himself. It yeah. is 100% Corey. Mm -hmm. For sure. And I, I brought up to you both when we were watching it how, as that's happening, Joe is holding Laura back. He's, like, got her by the hips, and she's leaning with, like, fists on hips ready to attack with the most menacing face she's had in the show to date. Well, yeah, because she's also going to try and defend Corey. They're very close. Yeah, and it's, it's going back to what you were saying, Sandra, but the amount of things that happen in the background that we don't really notice that are absolutely amazing and, and make you want to rewatch the show. The one thing I don't like about this scene is we get that classic sitcom moment of the door opening and Corey is standing there having heard everything that Adam said. Tony just walks around her, doesn't acknowledge her, fine. But I've seen this so many times. Can I, can I do what I always do and tell you how I would have done this? Sure, please do. You normally do it better than they do. So they would have opened the door and strange-looking Asian man would have been standing there. And <laughs> there would have been a moment of, like, fear, like there always is. But then when he stepped out of the way, Corey would have been there. That would work for the show. I can see that for sure. It's just they, they have to take the typical sitcom moment and just give it their twist. Without that, this is the moment in the episode where it is just pure cookie-cutter sitcom moment. It's generic, right? Yeah, that's why even something as little as that would have been their twist on it. Yeah. So Adam gives her ice cream, and then we find out that Corey's actually allergic to strawberries. 
collapses on the ground, and we end in a freeze frame of Adam, Joe, and Laura pointing and laughing at Corey <laughs> dying on the ground. <laughs> it's the weirdest, but also most perfect ending to this episode, because Holliston doesn't end on such a positive note where yeah. they can just, you know, next episode hit the ground running with all of this feel good stuff by doing this like weird freeze frame. They can almost like decanonize the ending of this episode. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. This is a weird one, right? I agree. It was entertaining, but it was different than the feel of the rest of the show so far that I've experienced. Mm hmm. But it very much ties into what you had referenced many times before, that these episodes can be watched standalone. Yeah. You don't need to have watched any of the previous episodes to fully enjoy this one. Absolutely. The scene in the car between Corey and Laura, where Laura tells her, you know, you broke up with that guy. You're not going to be alone because there's Adam. You know, they give you enough of the background without doing the whole origin again that you could watch this episode completely new to the show and get what's going on. And they do it in such a short period of time that it doesn't feel forced. Yeah, it was more of a feel of the show of the other three episodes that we watched so far versus the feel of this one. Not really the content, is, to your point, because uh, I think you could have watched this show on its own and just been entertained mm -hmm. or episode. Okay, so time to ask the tough question. Pick one highlight. Oh, I know what it is immediately. Odorous. Okay. Had me in stitches. Dave Brocky always has me laughing. He always has. He always will. And I found like he was the only common denominator with the other three episodes that we've watched that made me feel like I was still watching Holliston itself. Like I said, this felt way too heavy handed with Tony Todd. But you the way you explained it does make a lot of sense to me. And I, I, I know why they did it the way they've done it. But uh, Odorous was brilliant, even more so than um, the skunked episode. But that's that's dope to me. I, I get what you're saying with the contrast too, because this is also the one episode where Lance doesn't even make his typical exit where the door closes by itself, right? Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, it is kind of the one thing that is very much typical Holliston, and I like that. I like typical Holliston. Uh, I thought the drive between Corey and Laura was great. To be honest, I I thought that yeah. was early on because it got real serious she's all heartbroken and all of a sudden out of nowhere just wham <laughs> no reaction and i'm sitting there like what the heck just happened and just and then they just kept collecting more bodies <laughs> and pinkerton yeah it was it's really good too because they don't react at all even to a right. broken windshield right and i did think that that was very similar to the holliston that we're familiar with as well that scene specifically i'll go with you on that one sure well it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I mean, she was upset with Kevin for not paying attention to her for being on his phone. And <laughs> Laura's on her phone committing, you know, vehicle um, manslaughter, and she's fine with that. <laughs> yeah, but but uh, she didn't say that she was going to nursing school to bag a doctor. Come on. <laughs> that conversation is something that people should actually watch this one episode for. Yeah, was that the opposite Ken Barbie? Like, that was like yeah. the opposite of that conversation, right? Yeah. Ooh. Kev energy is what we'll call that one. All right. Well, my highlight was the slap. <laughs> 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 because after the initial uh, 
delay in uh, my brain registering what happened, it just turned out to be the funniest moment because Joe is finally like, you know what? I'm going to grow a pair. I'm going to go tell him what's what. And he literally just says like, what was it? One word like listen or hey or yeah. something like that and just gets smacked. And it's like, okay, well, this is a reinforcement of why we were afraid to do this. <laughs> <laughs> and then, yeah, the camera cuts and in the background, you just see it like he didn't even break stride. It was like slap, turn around, walk towards Laura. <laughs> it's just like, like, like his brain just reset and was like, okay. Yeah. All right. So where are we going to rank this one, guys? Um, for me, this is, um, this is at the bottom. Uh, it will go episodes three, one, two, four for me. Um, it's really funny, but it was the least Holliston episode of Holliston. And I like what we've been given so far. I just wasn't super stoked on this. I had some really funny moments, but I felt that it it dragged a lot more than a sitcom should. And I'm sure, like I said earlier, the guys made the show they wanted to make, and that's great. Good for them. I know other people who have seen it who love this episode. It just didn't work for me. It's great to see Tony Todd. It's it's great knowing after this we do get more horror icon cameos or guest starring roles, like you said, Sandro. But it felt like it was lacking something. So still good, just not my favorite. It's at the bottom of the four episodes for me. Okay, and don't keep your own personal ranking. We have one. This is how we do it. It's a democracy. No. How you have it, Sandro? I actually agree with Ben. I don't think I can add too much to even his description of it. This is the worst episode, but that's a relative term because it's still a good episode. All the other ones were just that much better. Mm -hmm. I can't add to that either. That's why I wanted you to go next because I agree 100%. Number four, it's good on its own, but it's not comparable to the other three we've seen so far. Wow. A unanimous decision. I don't think that's that? happened too many times. <laughs> I think we could sign a peace treaty, gentlemen. I would wager that next week we will have another unanimous decision, but we'll have to wait until then. 